You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. All right. Hello. Hello, Ben. Yep. I'm, uh, my name is Ben Sternke, and this is, you're listening to another episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I hope you know that. Like, I hope that's, you know... Why you're here. Even if you're not, though, we're glad to have you. Yeah. It's if you're looking you. for Prairie Home Companion, this is not it. This isn't it. You're not going to find the the smooth, dulcet tones of Garrison Keeler. But you will hear my smooth, dulcet tones. <laughs> right. That's enough of that, Matt. All right. Um, I'm here with Matt Tebby, uh, fellow co-founder of Gravity Leadership. Uh, and today, uh, we've got a guest on the podcast, uh, Mandy Smith is with us, all the way from lovely Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Mandy is originally from Australia, as you will soon hear from her accent, and uh, she is the lead pastor of University Christian Church in Cincinnati. Um, And uh, we've been talking with uh, various leaders uh, about how some of our missional theology axioms, God is present and at work, uh, he's just like Jesus, he cares about it more than we do, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. how those things play out in everyday ministry situations. And so uh, we wanted to invite Mandy onto the podcast today to chat a little bit about that. Um, uh, we've known Mandy for a, a little while, uh, and uh, she has recently, well, I don't know, how, how long ago was it that you wrote The Vulnerable Pastor, Mandy? Uh, 2015, it came out. Okay, that... I yeah, think we can still call that recent. Mm-hmm. When, you get to, yeah. when you get to be our age, anything yeah, that happened anyth- in the last 10 years is recent. Feels recent. Yep. Yeah, it's in the 2000s. <laughs> it wasn't in the 90s you wrote the book. No, so, yeah. no, it was this millennium. Yes. Anyway, so you wrote this book, The Vulnerable Pastor. Um, and there's there's a lot uh, to that, even that phrase, and a lot to, uh, I think, what's in that uh, book that really coheres and resonates with um, the way of leadership, the theology of leadership and mission uh, that we've been uh, outlining here. So, mm. um, so anyway, we, uh, it's, it's good to have you. It's Glad good you're to here. be here. Yeah. 
Um, Mandy is coming to us from, uh, she was saying uh, her bathroom, which is the yes. quietest room in the house. Yes, there's no dog in this room. There's no dog in that room. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so we're already uh, we're already getting vulnerable um, with the <laughs> some of us are. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're not. Come on, Ben. Yeah. We've, we're Hold just up. in a normal room. Right. Although your kids are home. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, so that's that kind makes of vulnerable. You pretty vulnerable. Yeah, They're running around. Yeah. Kids are home, running around with a mind of their own. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, well. Uh, man, there's a lot of places we could start. Um, maybe we'll start here. Mandy, the introduction, uh, the introductory chapter to your book uh, says, God is an odd leader. Mm. God is an odd leader. Um, I wonder if you could uh, just outline for us, like, what is it about God, the way that he leads us, that struck you as odd? Um, and how, how does that contrast with the way that we normally think about leadership. Mm. Well, odd according to our understanding of it, right? I mean, right. ideally he would be the the model, but right. um but well, I mean every story throughout scripture when he wants to engage with human beings, he begins with the outsider, he begins with children and old people and people we mm. wouldn't choose. Yeah. And um I mean even in the way that he chooses to create this world and engage with us is he puts he puts control in our hands that so we have to be willing to say yes to him. And so, um, he is only able to lead as much as we allow him to. And mm. uh, so, that all strikes me as odd compared to the way that the world would def- would frame leadership. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a threatening phrase for many people. God is only allowed to lead as much as we let him to. Mm. It, it, there's, there's an it's entire, sad. <laughs> well, I think it threatens the way that we conceive of God as as being sort of the the penultimate attribute of who God is, is that he always gets his way in every situation, mm. right? And so it's almost, I think, I think I grew up with the notion that God was the most in control mm. and mm. the supreme expression of who God is, is mm. that, is that it, it, his control is meticulous. But what you're saying mm. is that not only is the pastor vulnerable, but also God is as well. I think so. I mean, anytime I think we underestimate him as an emotional being, and uh, I don't think that we can fully understand how he's wanting to engage with us until we acknowledge that he. It is incredibly vulnerable to let yourself care for something that may or may not love you back. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So obviously, he is making all things new. He is Lord of the universe. He can manipulate whatever he wants to, but he chooses not to. In the yes. case of human spirits. And um, I think that's beautiful, and I think we can learn a lot from that. Yeah. So, uh, part of what you learned from that um, was, you know, to be a vulnerable pastor. Um, can you talk just a little bit about, like, what your journey into that? I mean, this is an idea, the vulnerable pastor, but, like, what was your journey like uh, into learning to be a vulnerable pastor. Yeah. And I should actually say, I know that vulnerable is a kind of a hot word at the moment with Brené Brown's work and everything. Um, for me, it includes choosing to be vulnerable vulnerable by sharing parts of ourselves, you know, letting somebody see me in my bathroom or whatever. Like that, that's one <laughs> level of vulnerability. Yeah. But um, the the thing that I really am trying to get to is the entire experience of being a human being. Yes. We are inherently vulnerable, that we get old, we get sick, we get our feelings hurt, we run out of ideas, we get tired. Like those things are just inherent to what it means to be human. And at the same time, especially in a culture like ours, those are all shameful things. 
that we feel yes. we need to hide. And so what does it mean to be a clay vessel who's not ashamed of being a clay vessel in order to allow mm -hmm. the spirit of the living God to to fill you as the clay vessel that you are. You don't have to be something different from what you truly are. And so mm. um, for me, it began with this kind of collision with leadership models in the church that I felt called to leadership and ministry for such a long time and have been to Bible college and have prayed about it and been de developing in that. And then at the moment when I was stepping up as co-leader from an associate pastor role, um, went to a huge Christian conference where people were really good people trying to do good things and just showing what God is doing in their own lives, but none of them looked like me. And it really felt like a collision. Mm. Um, and so I went back to my hotel room, which I remember now like it was a tomb, you know, because I just <laughs> hid there for like a day. I just called the folks I was with at the conference and said, I can't be here, you know. And, wow. and I told the Lord, you've made a mistake. I've got nothing. If I have to look like all these people... And, it ha and leadership has to be like yeah. that for me. I can't find anything like that in myself. And so, God, you've made a mistake. And hey, Mandy, um, when, yeah. when you say when you say that they didn't, you couldn't see yourself in them. That that you didn't look like them. That this way of lead, like, can you talk a little bit about what you yeah. saw? Describe like, that. Describe that yeah, yeah. kind of leadership. Well, and I don't. I hesitate to do this because I don't want to say. And those people who are like that don't belong in the church. It was just a very narrow. Yeah. selection of leaders, yeah. you know, who yeah, I, I absolutely affirm yes. um, as well. So, Noted. Um, it was mostly white guys, you know, <laughs> who have like a business model and an extroverted personality and who are Americans. And I shouldn't <laughs> have been surprised because that's not who I am, you know, right. and that's who they are and that's who they should be. But um, mm. there was just a very limited model um, coming from the books that were being sold on the stands and the people who were on the stage and... Um, so I think it's really powerful when we are planning things to make sure that we are um, communicating just a breadth of of models from from the stage, whether it's our church or an event that we're planning. Um, but yeah, so that was a collision course for me because okay. they would they would there was indirect things where I just didn't I didn't hear anybody talking like me, and I'm an artist as well, you know. So okay. <laughs> it was just not it was just not me. <laughs> um, that, but there there were some indirect things, but there were some also very direct things where um, you know there was one workshop that was described in a way that said the people in your church don't want a leader who blah blah blah, they want a man who blah blah blah, you yeah. know, and so. And, and so many times there were kind of false dichotomies offered, like, if you're a leader, you'll really care about this. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. You know? <laughs> so some of it was avert and some of it was less obvious. But, um, you know, no judgment on those people, but it really wasn't a, a healthy place for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I was just in a really tender spot. So I didn't go like, well, it just wasn't the right place for me. Like, I really took it hard. And um, hmm. uh, in that hotel room, the Lord just kept saying, broken and contrite spirit I will not despise, and in your weakness I am strong. And I'd heard that passage from Corinthians so many times that it really was a platitude in my mind. I was like, yeah, yeah, God, I'm not feeling the strength, so how is that true? Yeah. And I think now that I had understood that passage to mean, in your weakness I will make you feel strong, and so if that's the case, it's just a lie, you know. So I left that hotel room um, without really having resolved any of that. And probably for the next six to 12 months, I just was like, okay, if you can do that in my weakness, what about this? What about this weakness? You know, what about the fact that I cry a lot? 
Can you can you be strong in that weakness? You know, yeah. what about the fact that um, I don't always I, I think of really great answers to questions about two days after I was asked the question, <laughs> can you be strong in that weakness? You know, yeah. so yeah. I kind of I think what I was doing now was actually trying to be really rigorous with the theology of that one passage and say, um, what does it look like for God to be strong? If he really made me as the person that I am, um, is it possible truly for him to be to show himself in this particular clay vessel yes. as the clay vessel that he created and um that was really hard but at the same time really beautiful because you know i messed up and i didn't get it right and sometimes it it came back at my, in my face but most of the time i saw how um as much as it terrified me to let myself really be seen and you have to do that carefully there are ways that you can overshare mm. um as much as I let myself be seen in those places where I, I really didn't feel ready for this meeting or I really, um, you know, I'd had an argument with my husband or um, I, I was just grieving for somebody so much that I didn't know how to fix them, or, you know, all of yeah. the things. Yeah. I think that this work actually will make us feel more more like human beings than most kind of work will. Like it's impossible. It's actually impossible for human beings to represent uh, the perfect God. And I think he's made it impossible on purpose so that we have to rely on him every day. Mm. And so there really was power shown. The times in my ministry when people most say, that was really powerful, are usually times when I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, I wasn't feeling powerful. And yeah. so it only just reveals where the power really is coming from. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of the story yeah. that we tell in that yeah. book. Yeah, there's so much there. There's so much there. It's beautiful, Mandy. I, um, I'm struck by... I'm struck by what you said about you, your interpretation, your sort of unspoken interpretation of uh, in my in my weakness, uh, you know, God is strong, like that that idea uh, from Scripture. Your unspoken interpretation of that had been like, when I'm weak, I will feel strong. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to feel confident that there's some sense in which um, I can become an expert in vulnerability, where yeah. I can sort of learn how to do it in such a way that I feel in control. You know what I mean? Yeah. But mm, oh, um, absolutely. But I can yeah. become so good at vulnerability that I'm invulnerable. Yeah, right. Exactly. 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 Well, there's it's an irony funny there. Because yeah, and people people there's this funny irony now that like I am an expert in weakness. Like people have me come in and talk <laughs> right, about right. this and stuff. Talk about it, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yet I still feel my weakness. And so yeah. the enemy actually has done a number on me so many times when I've gone mm. to speak and I feel this like there's 500 people coming to this thing today and they're going to expect me to be really fantastic and say something that wows them. And I really don't feel like I'm still feeling that same emptiness here, yeah. Lord. And, um, and I have to stop and be like, yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I actually often begin by by boasting in weakness and that actually makes me feel better where I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable here this morning. Just, just bear with me for a moment. Humor me. I need to do this. And mm. I start by just saying like, I wrestle with depression and anxiety on a regular basis and I take a really long time to make decisions and I get my feelings hurt pretty easily. I'm always overwhelmed and I just make this really long list, you know. Right. Confessing. And, um, your, yeah. geez, I mean, Paul boasts in his weakness. Yes, I mean, that's does. legitimate. And, right. uh, and I think our strength, God's strength and power can only be seen if we're willing to really let ourselves. I mean, there's a way that it can become self-hatred. It's not about that. Sure. Right. Um, it's just about acknowledging who we are as human beings and trusting mm. that that God loves us as such and God can yes. use us as such. And there's real freedom and healing. And this, 
honestly, I've been a Christian for a really long time. This is the first time it really feels like good news. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Mandy, that's such good news. Just you describing being anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, uh, you know, you kind of labeled yourself as like hyper emotional or I, I get my feelings hurt easily. Like those are the those are the sort of the the messengers or the the parts of us that that we internalize as this is what disqualifies me from being yeah. a leader. Or these yeah. are the hindrances that I have to leading. And just your mm-hmm. testimony of those are the pr- those are the uh, ground zero for the inbreaking of the kingdom that yeah. God is even present and at work to you there. And not only like, oh yeah, he'll accommodate. He'll accommodate you because you're weak. No, like right. more, pr- like even more pregnant with his kingdom power there than he would be if yeah. you were always tiptoeing through the tulips of Jesus. Yeah. Yep, I like that. <laughs> and that's yeah. just powerful for, oh, for many of us. Is. Yeah. 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 And as pastors, it's powerful to even be like, really? God can even use that? Like that actually mm. led somebody right then? That actually yeah. showed, like the thing that I've been trying to accomplish so much here in my own strength, God actually did when I was not feeling yes. strong. And that's a beautiful, that's like, a, that ministers to me even as yeah. a pastor. Yes, it yeah. does. It, it, uh, as Matt said earlier, it also feels threatening to us, I, I think, because we, I mean, <laughs> it, it feels vulnerable to be vulnerable. You know, th- mm-hmm. there's a sense in which we're always trying to stay in control yeah. And uh, there's an element in which I would love to be able, if somebody has a something good happen in their life, I'd love to be able to draw a line from that to like one of my gifts or my talents mm-hmm. or a time when mm-hmm. I was awesome. Um, yeah. But it's 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 humbling to be able to not be able to do that to be able to say right. like actually I can't draw it to anything that I that I kind of drummed up myself. Yeah. But we do draw it. We have to draw it. You know, just to God that God worked literally through our weakness. Yeah, um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it actually um, gives us so much freedom even now reaching outside of the congregation to those who don't yet know God because I think mm. we've done so much damage from that same desire to control or desire to say, I converted that person. Yes. And um, the the most transformative conversations that I've had with, with folks who don't yet know Jesus have come from me saying like, Oh, this is really awkward. I know, and I I don't know if how you're going to hear this, but I have to be honest with you. I'm I'm feeling prompted to say this to you, and you know you can take it or leave it. But yeah. you know, like, not to like ca- put so many caveats around it that that I overdid that just then. But um, <laughs> you know, there there are there's like it's actually disarming for people who are used yeah. to having this stereotype in their head of this particular kind of way of dominating. Right. In our Christian, I've got an answer Christians. for every yeah. objection you have. I, you know, I've yeah. got a Bible verse. I've, I'm going to prove you're a sinner and that you need to become a Christian. That yeah, it's disarming exactly. if you're if you're actually vulnerable. You lead with questions and right. Yeah. And then you also get to watch God. Like you yes. do feel like you were a part of the story and that God is using you. But at the same time, you get to watch he, what He's doing that wasn't entirely your doing, yes. and you can be in the wonder as well of being like, "Whoa, that was amazing! What just happened?" Right. And you actually grow in that process. I mean, yeah, that, that's a, beautiful. That's a big part of. Um, I think the, the, this new paradigm of leadership and mission and discipleship that we're trying to help people embrace, a big mm-hmm. part of it is to realize that leadership isn't doing something to someone. Yeah, There's a mutuality inherent in all yeah. relational activity of all kinds. Right. And to sub- be able to submit to that mutuality, to realize, okay, God is present here. God is at work, not just in your life because I'm going to pastor you now or I'm going to evangelize you now, but God is working both of our lives as we mm-hmm. engage 
as right. we open up space for his presence, as we, as we learn to be vulnerable, as we learn to be, uh, tell the truth about ourselves, as we learn to really listen to each other, to really see each other, that there's transformation that happens for all of us as we right. engage in that. There's mutuality yeah. inherent in... Yeah, and our job then becomes um, letting people watch how we follow God yes. instead of encouraging people to follow us. Yes. But that means we better be following God. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It raises yeah. the stakes. Yeah. 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 I can't just have an answer or a spiel. I have exactly. to have a life. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that means you don't feel him or you don't understand him. And like, how do we let people see that as well? Right. Because that's part of it. In that's a, part in a of way the life. serving them. Yeah. It is. It is. That's yeah. Good. There is a way that you can, I think pastors can put too much. It can be abusive when pastors um, put too much of their emotional and spiritual needs back on the congregation. So there's always a process that I'm going through of discerning, okay, uh, where can I find the people that I really need to be my supporters here and where and, and how can I still come back to the church and say, yeah. I'm wrestling with this, but God is good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'd love for you to say more about that because I've mm-hmm. I've noticed this where vulnerability is it's kind of in. It's the thing right now. Yeah. Like right. emotional yeah. intelligence is the new capital, the new currency. Everybody's read Brene Brown. Right. Everybody thinks right. she's awesome. You know, you know and, and yeah. uh, empathy is sort of the relational fuel that, that drives our culture now. And I, I've noticed this a few times where people realize that people are desperate for vulnerability, and so they use vulnerability as like this passive-aggressive power, you know? Yeah. So, so for yeah. instance, um, a friend of mine went to a church where the pastor cheated on his spouse and was caught, and when he was caught, he kind of came clean and sort of, um, sort of gloried in his, mm. like, his repentance was very public and very demonstrative, and he kept talking about it, and and almost like he narrated the story as though he was the, like, his sin victimized him, mm. and he didn't really talk about, like, his now ex-wife and his three kids, like, so he right. centered himself in his yeah. sin story yeah. and, and projected this vulnerable sort of persona, but right. in doing that, almost used vulnerability as, like, this weapon, yeah, yeah. Have you noticed it's that kind of at all? Self-serving you, yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be abused, like any good thing. Um, and I think that's why that it does take some discernment to. And you know, the the crazy thing about this is that you can't actually figure it out and without trying it. And it's going to be it's you're going to fail even as you're figuring this out, which is yeah. a part of the vulnerability. You know, mm-hmm. so um, there's no good way but to just try to do it and yes. to ask for grace if you get it wrong but um hmm. yeah, so often, you don't you don't use vulnerability i try not to well yeah i mean yeah. like one doesn't like vulnerability isn't something isn't a technique no 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 <laughs> <laughs> then it's just con- perpetuating the same human domination yes yes yeah so um I often try to discern based on whether I'm bringing in, bringing people behind the scenes in a way that is um, serving them or serving myself. And am I keeping people out of behind the scenes in a way that's serving me or serving them? That's good. And so there are yeah. some ways that, that sharing is really to bless others. Mm-hmm. There are some ways that sharing is really to dump something on others. There's a way for that, for, yeah, yeah, and there's a way that not sharing can also serve others or yes. serve myself, and so I'm always discerning yeah. which which one is appropriate in this particular place. And yeah. it's not just, um, it's not. Just, I think it's not just subjectively, like wh- what do I share for me, what do I don't, but it's also there's a discernment about will this help and serve this person. You know, I think about Jesus taking three people to the Mount of Olives, and not 
all 11, mm, mm. you know, and that's one of his most vulnerable points of his ministry, right? Um, yeah. Where he's, you know, sweating blood and crying and asking the Lord mm, to, to, mm. to have a, you know, my soul is troubled to the point of death. And, you know, I, I, I see Jesus as, uh, you know, the best leader who ever lived. And I think he, he realized that if these, this could help these three people yeah. to be this close to me. But for some yeah. reason, he didn't invite the other right. eight. eight. Yeah. And I love the fact that he actually gives us permission. Um, there's several different things that I see in Jesus where he actually knows where it's going to be abused and he knows that not everybody's safe. And he doesn't, there's one part, I think it's in Mark that says um, he did not entrust himself because himself to them because he knew it was in the hearts of men. Mm. Yeah. And, it's, a John, uh, it's a John chapter two, I think. Is it John? Okay. Well, it's also in John. Yeah. Okay, and then also the fact that he just doesn't answer people sometimes. Like there are sometimes right. where it's okay to say like, mm, no, you're not. You're gonna. You're gonna be. You're. Tra- you're gonna trample the pearls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I have had to learn from that because yeah. um, there are some spaces where it's it's just not safe and it's not going to mm. help them. So why bother? Yeah. And the whole like dusting the wiping the dust off your feet kind of idea. You know that yeah. if someone isn't a person of peace, then it's not. It's okay <laughs> to not go there with everybody. Right. Um, and I think I have a kind of a sliding scale in my head. I didn't even realize I had it until somebody asked me to write an article about it. And I realized like most of the people in my congregation, I do kind of plot on this sliding scale of I'm totally here for you to you're totally here for me. There's not many people in my congregation. I don't think there's anybody in my congregation that I would say like you're here for me, but I'm not here for for you. There's people like that in my life who aren't in my congregation and that's important. But there are some folks in my congregation who I would say we're here for each other. Mm-hmm. And there are some folks in my congregation who I would say, I'm here for you, but you don't have to be here for me. And that there's some kind of way of, of discerning that that's got to do with their age, their maturity and their faith, whether they're in a really kind of intense time right now. You know, if somebody is generally mature in their faith, but their spouse has got cancer right now, I'm going to slide them into a different spot on the scale where I don't respect, I don't expect as much from them, yeah. even if I have in the past, yeah. you know. Um, and so people can move yeah. in that in that place, but I think it's okay to. It's not condescending to say there are some people in my church that I need to be here for, but who don't need to be here for me. Yeah. And so that's, really, uh, that's, that's the really part helpful. I think of discerning how. So what I mean f- f- from that is, you know, if I'm having a crisis today and I still have to go into work, you know, there are some crises in our lives that we nearly we really need to say like, yes, God can be strong in everything, but also God wants us to rest. So. Right. Vulnerability can be abused. Yeah. Vulnerability can be abused. You know, that passage can, we can like run ourselves right over a cliff if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are times where we just have to say, I'm so vulnerable. I need a break right now. And God is a, God can be strong even when I'm resting. Yes. (laughs) But then there are some days where you just have to, like, it's not, it's not quite there, but you still have to turn up and you're just not feeling it. And, um, you know, you go to work on a particular day and you've just had a big argument with your spouse and you haven't yet resolved it. It's going to be all right, but you're still feeling it. And, you know, on that day, you might be meeting with a totally new Christian, with an elder and with a peer on staff. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to turn up as my whole self on that day and I can't pretend everything's fine. But with the totally new Christian, the elder and the peer on staff, I'm going to let them into that in different ways. So with yeah. the totally new Christian or with a really young person, I might say, oh, I'm just having a hard day today, but, you know, God is good and move on, you know. Right, right. And with with the person on staff, I might be like, oh, you know, and if it's a woman especially who's also got a husband who's <laughs> in a, you know, I might yeah. be like, 
isn't it really hard to be a wife? You know, <laughs> and so um, yeah. you know, I think it just takes discernment and it takes practice yeah. and wisdom to yeah. actually figure out. Um, how we bring people in behind the scenes, but it's been a real blessing to the young people that I lead, especially millennials and all the stuff that they have to wrestle with already um, for me to let them in behind the scenes. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel so responsible for them that that comes out in the form of me always being strong because that's actually been what's kept me from seeing myself as a leader in the past when the leaders who've led me have right. been that to me. Right. When so, they yeah. seem so sort of like, wow, they never have any problems. Yeah, they Nothing never have ever a bad goes day. wrong. They always have answers yeah. and they're always put yeah. together. And that's actually, it makes us feel really great as leaders, but it doesn't actually help anybody else imagine themselves becoming yeah. a leader. So I, I hear you saying that there, there, there's a little bit of a rubric in your mind about kind of where you share and how you share. Um, and some of that has to do, basically it has to do with love, you know, uh, is, yeah. is what I'm sharing for me or for the other person. Um, and then the other thing I heard you say is that it, the only way to know is to practice. You, you don't yeah. get to learn this ahead of time. You don't yeah. get to study for the test and get a degree in vulnerability and then you perfectly execute it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this uh, lines up our seventh missional theology axiom is that we learn love through embodied participation, not, mm-hmm. not through like, you know, stuffing facts into our heads or, you know, any other way. We, we learn love through embodied participation, which means we have to try it out. We have, to, yeah. we have to try being vulnerable and then we have to evaluate. We have to stay vulnerable enough to evaluate what was going on there. Was, I, yeah. was, that, was that self-serving? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. You know, what were the yeah. results? What, you know, what, what happened through that interaction? And how can I learn and grow from that? Yeah. There's really only other- I think all of this is radically countercultural. Yes, it is. And um, so it's okay for us to name how uncomfortable we are with that. And it's not because it's not Christian. It's because it's not very Western or modern, you know, and yeah. well, postmodern, I guess. But um, <laughs> the it, it does bring up those ways. And we don't like to be in process. Uh, uh, you know, this is the most productive nation in the world's history. Productivity is good. Finished products are great. Right. Shiny brands are great. And the church has kind of got wrapped into that perspective yes. as well. And yes. instead, we're called to relationship and ongoing transformation. And that's really messy and, ugh, you know, process feels feels weak. And yeah. yet that's what we're called to. So, yeah. Um, Many, many parts of this have, I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I mm. just like, I love getting stuff done and this has really um, broken and rebuilt me. So it's not that I'm comfortable with it or I love vulnerability or messiness <laughs> at all. It's really, yeah. it's really taken a lot out of me. And yet um, there's so much freedom in stepping into that adventure. Adventures yes. are scary by their very nature, but, yeah. um, but exciting as well. And I, I, mm have just chosen to be in the discomfort of that because of what I see God doing in it. And I would, yes. I just can't go back to the little comfortable safe space I used to try to inhabit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not second best. It's not like, well, I, I guess since God can't work through our strength, he'll have to work through our weakness. This is how God works in the world. Yeah. This is how it works. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask a question about, you mentioned like the millennials in your church. <clears throat> and um, I'm thinking about the, the different segments of society, even, even, uh, so I took a personality profile exam in seminary and it came back that I was not a leader. And what it meant was I was not a type A, high D, oh, wow. like, so, so I, I, uh, I've always sort of had this empathetic gene, which has, uh, 
as a, as a younger man, I felt a lot of shame mm-hmm. for how much I felt mm-hmm. because I was, I had, I sort of in, I sort of, I sort of just um, assumed or soaked in from our culture that that was a feminine characteristic. Mm-hmm. That somehow I was like um, not and, masculine enough, and also yeah. a weak characteristic. Right. So yeah. feminine and weak. That like that's all part of the same conglomeration, right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm curious, uh, Mandy. Like, what what have you noticed about like just speak? You know, being being a woman and in mm-hmm. the Western sort of gender role kind of ideals. Like, how does how does vulnerability play into understanding of gender for you and leadership? And then also, too, like, I think millennials have, they don't want experts. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, they don't need the package show. Like, they're, yeah. they're done with that. Like, they've yeah. seen enough of their heroes be exposed mm-hmm. as frauds that they, mm-hmm. they, they, what they really want is somebody who's going to tell them the truth mm-hmm. yeah. and be real with yeah. them. And yeah. so, I think, I think as we're talking about vulnerability, like, there's, a, there's different segments of society for whom it's, a, it's attractive and f- some people who are really uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You open up so many things I want to talk about. Um, it's interesting to me because it reminds me of the people who responded to Jesus and the people who didn't respond to Jesus. And those who wanted it to look like a package deal, who wanted it to fit within an institution, all the religious leaders, all the people who had worldly power didn't get him, totally missed him when he was right under their noses. And all the people on the margins which was very much women, but also people in poverty, people wrestling with serious sickness. Um, They got him. They just absolutely had what it took to receive him. And so um, I see that in my own life. I was talking with a good friend yesterday who's a white man, been educated in all the right theological circles, knows his stuff. He's a writer as well. And um, yet he also has wrestled with, serious debilitating mental health issues his whole ministry and he sounds a lot like me you know i think that there are things that women learn just by the bodies that they inhabit that um you can't be in control of everything and um any experience that we have in life whether it's physical or mental health issues a family situation serious loss in our life Anything that shows us our weakness, artists all feel this as well. I think that's what you're sensing, Matt. You know, um, they get it. They know what it means to be human. And the question is if we choose to be ashamed of it or not. Uh, because this world, this culture especially, wants to shame it. It only values what is strong and measurable and what makes money and what produces things. And, um, there are some people who can function in that system really well and who love that system because it it makes them feel good about themselves. But in my experience, women and minorities and and people on the margins because of health issues or or their circumstances um, have an openness to truth that I think God wants to use if we just won't be ashamed of it. Yes. Yeah, That what you just named, Mandy... uh, has wrecked me. I think. I think. I. I think one of the paradigm shifts I've had in the last ten years that has still just blows my mind is that my my position at the top of the cultural hierarchy as mm-hmm. a white cisgendered male Christian may not do all good work for me 
in mm. knowing how and learning how to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I may I, need to deconstruct tons mm-hmm. of my privilege in order to understand the things you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and that sounds like really hard work. And in some ways, I hate to tell you this, but that sounds like how really strong men fix that kind of a problem, like to do this work, you know. (laughs) So maybe what you need to do is let the Lord do that work in you. (laughs) Prophecy, Um, speak to me. Yeah, yeah. but let me tell you this, Matt. As I was praying about this podcast this morning, I was remembering when I heard you teach. And I have to be honest with you, I'm I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to... Um, teaching and writing, I love a well, a well-shaped sentence or a well-told story, and I still remember your story mm. that you told, and it came from a whole person. So you may not be as far from this as you realize. You may just need <laughs> to listen to those parts in you that you would rather not listen to. Oh yeah, um, because you are one of the few white men that I actually have listened to who who communicates as a whole person. And you shared from your from your spirit, you shared from your heart. And so I think that's what God longs for us to do, to engage with Him as whole beings and to share from that space with one another. And it feels so much better to share from our one small piece of ourself. And oftentimes in our culture that means our intellect. That's measurable. We can get grades for that. Right. You know, people will tell us we're smart. Mm-hmm. really works for us. And I would love to just stay there, honestly. It would feel really good. You can kind of keep it at arm's length. It doesn't wrap your own story or heart into it. Um, but this is what I'm wrestling with at the moment because um, I read an article that said um, women, and, and there's some overgeneralizations here. I realize not all men or women are like this, but this was a scientific research showing that women um, – often process with their whole brain, with both sides of their brain, mm. and that the the piece, the little bit that connects them is very strong. Corpus. Is yes. it the corpus callosum? Cor- yeah, that was, that's the word that was in my mind. I didn't want to yeah. say it, but thank so, you. Um, so Because I wasn't sure if it was part, right. Don't you say that word, Ben. <laughs> I wasn't funny. sure if it was right. So anyway. that thing is really strong yeah. in many women's brains, huh. which means that they're able to to like deal with both sides of their brains at once, which which explains a lot and it explains why women often feel overwhelmed and that they can't say what they think right away because they're just dealing with a lot of stuff. A lot of input. With like the ideas and hmm. the emotions and relational information. Oh, wow. And it said that men are really good at thinking on one side of their brain at the time to- at a time. And um, that's an important thing. Like there are some times where you have to just be like, let's clear all this other stuff out of here and right. let's get this thing done, you know. Yeah. So neither is better than the other. But the problem comes when one of those ways of thinking has been the dominant way for yes. so long. And if you're functioning primarily on one side of the brain and somebody comes to you functioning with two sides of the brain, all you notice is the extra thing they bring. And so in your desire to function on one side of the brain at a time, you say, well, they're just bringing the other side. I'm bringing this side. They're bringing that side. That's a false dichotomy. And so wow. um, <laughs> I think there are men who can do that as well, who can think on both sides of the brain at the same time. And I think that's what you were doing when I heard you teach, Matt. And um, that engages whole human beings, yeah. you know. And so um, that helps me a lot in my trying to engage as a woman because people so often, I hear so many other women say this too. I've, a woman told me lately, she she's an associate pastor and her lead pastor who's a man said to her you are 
are often approaching things so emotionally and I need you to be more biblical. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Yeah, like serious Talk false about, economy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so that Yikes. kind of stuff happens to me like once a week. Wow. And if I want to engage as a whole person, people assume I just want to talk about emotions or that right. I just want to talk about experience. Right. And I can think with the best of them. Like I whip yeah. those boys mm-hmm. in the classes. The boys who were allowed to preach in mm-hmm. my classes, in my biblical studies classes, and I wasn't allowed to preach, they weren't even paying attention. You know, so um, th- not that I have any baggage about that or anything. No, yeah, n- <laughs> completely over it. Um, you know, I was the valedictorian. I got the Greek award. I got the New yeah. Testament. Like I know this stuff. Yeah. It's just not all that that God is, you know. Yes. It's part of it. We need to bring all of that. And um, if Scripture claims to be the living and active Word of God that is able to divide soul and spirit and joints and marrow and leave us naked and bare, laid bare before the living God, then we better treat it like that, you know. Right. And so um, what I find myself longing for right now and what I'm writing about right now is um, what does it look like to to pay as much attention to how God is moving in our senses and our relationships and our emotions and our bodies and in creation, to take as much notice of that as we do of how God is working in words mm. and in print. Ugh. And in, you know, yes. so if we believe that, that God is in everything, that God is in us, then how, how do we pay attention to that? And yes. in some ways it makes, it makes theology more rigorous. We're afraid yes. that that will minimize our theology. Right to take it out in the world and walk it around and test it. And right. I realize now that's what I was doing with that one passage of Scripture, that in our weakness, God is strong. Yes. And I was like, okay, let's, if that's true, it's going to be true here. Right. You know? Let's try it. And let's, so, yeah. Yeah. There, so is, there are some folks now who are, who are exploring this, and it is funny that I find myself like looking for, for it to be made legitimate in the academic world. There's some folks um, – I think it's at the University of Virginia who who got a Lilly Grant to explore what they call lived theology, L-I-V-E-D. Hmm. And um, they put together a book um, of essays from that. And there's one essay in it that's called Theology Without Footnotes. And it's saying, dare, dare to like trust that theology doesn't always have to have footnotes, which is so funny because I quoted that in the thing I'm writing at the moment. And, of course, I had to put it in a footnote. So. <laughs> Ironically. Um, so, I, for some reason, it just makes me feel good that there's a book published by Oxford um, yeah. University Press that talks about this because, yes. you know, I want to find a way that there are there are serious thinkers who are also exploring yes. things that I can't explain, that the spirit is just prompting in me without words. So, yeah. And there has to be a way that all that comes together. Yeah. You know? The thing that you're talking about, Mandy, is... It really drives us. There's this yeah. hyper, there's this hyper imprisonment or hyper um, commitment to rationality, and sort of this uh, these Greek assumptions about who God must be. And one of them is mm. He must be impassable. Like God must not have passions, because uh, this goes back to uh, I'm told like Euripides and sort of the mm. the Greek understanding that God God is a perfect being, which means He cannot change. Oh. And then, and then this sort of gets. This is classical theism. Some of this stuff gets imported into classical theism, and so now we've got. Now it's sort of. You said earlier, God is an emotional being, and that's scandalous for us in many ways mm-hmm. because we have this heritage, this Greek heritage of God can't right. have emotion. It doesn't sound godlike. It's not perfect yeah. to change or have emotion. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like you're you're pushing against. I, I would say like at least three millennia of Greek philosophical <laughs> tradition. <laughs> about 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 rationality and sort of uh, who God must be, 
yeah. rather than what you're doing, and I just, I'm so excited about it, is starting with the God we see Jesus reveal, yeah, the God who yeah. weeps, you know, mm-hmm. the God who does who does grow. Yeah. <laughs> like Luke explicitly tells us he matures right. in wisdom right. and grows. Right. Like all these different kinds of things. And so there's a, I, I'm just, I, I don't want to get rid of or be reaction uh, reactionary against sort of this rationality. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to figure out yeah. a way to it's in, a part of what we bring. integrate it into yeah. a greater yeah. whole. And that's what I hear you yeah. describing. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is, um, this began for me when I saw a flock of geese on my sabbatical about three years ago. Hmm. And then this beautiful kind of lesson unfolded and changed my life and continues to change my life. And I feel it so fully and, and the spirit feels so real in me, like that, that I'm trying to trust that our bodies are his happy place, you know, that we <laughs> just walk around with him all the time. Hmm. And... Um, that feels so life-giving and so completely transformative. And then when I try to write it, I've actually started writing a book about this two different times, totally rehashed it. And the first time, I, th- I wasn't verbalizing it yet, but I was feeling how much that is not going to be received by the world that I live in, by the yeah. Christian thinking yes. world. And so I sat down with Walter Brueggemann, oh. and he helped me shape an outline for this And I realized what I was trying to do is like find a way to make it legitimate to a world that I'm trying to speak to. Yes. Yeah. And it was beautiful. His he could have filled that outline out beautifully, but it didn't fit my ideas. I loved that he was willing to share that with me and spend Mm -hmm. the morning with me and do that. But I I realized like my ideas actually couldn't fit in that outline. So I started again and tried to just find all these Bible passages to explain what God had been doing, but they weren't Bible passages God had used. And mm. so I wrote up this this idea again and sent it to some publishers and they were like, it's a brilliant idea. Something's just not right. Hmm. And so I just felt this like, like this bottle that was so full of something, but there was something stoppering it. You know, that's, hmm. I couldn't get this thing out. And I realized it was the shame of how subjective this whole thing is and how God mm. himself began it with a flock of geese. Yeah. And how am I supposed to talk about that except in the way that God shared it with me? Mm. And um, the experiences, of course, drove me to scripture and drove me to prayer and drove me to conversation, and and my mind was then engaged. But I, how do I begin to explain mm. what God is doing in my life if I have to start with things that feel weak and and um, irrational and emotional and subjective? Yeah. Um, and so then that brings up the whole question of like is God is God willing to show himself in ways that are yes. subjective and right. and how do we yeah. how do we uh find him in those places and and how is it still I mean it's I'm not learning anything that is unorthodox theology. Sure. Right? I'm just learning the old stuff in ways that actually mean something to me. Yeah. So even the act it sounds like the act of writing this book in this way is an yep. act of vulnerability for you. What you're yes, saying, it is. I'm not going to yeah. try to reframe this in a way that makes it palatable. I'm right. going. I'm going to write it as it happened, and right. you know, you might. That means that means you might be dismissed. Yes, and i I get that. I get that kind of response to my book already. Mm. That's like this is just for women. Right. Um, this right. is just subjective. This yeah. is just about her experience and her emotions, and yeah. um. You know, I I felt the real fear of that kind of response when I wrote the book. I knew that was going to happen, and yeah. I know it's going to happen again. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just have to trust that there is enough freedom in it that some people will get it, and 
um, I, I hope that in I'm, I'm embracing this now as what I'm calling theology as memoir, not memoir for the sake of just telling my story, right. but for the sake of trusting that God shows himself in real human stories. Yeah. And so I hope that um, as, as I do that, I'm not just talking about the content, but that I'm actually inviting people into, into this new way of exploring what God is doing. Well, for um, what it's worth, Mandy, <clears throat> for what it's worth, every time Paul told his conversion story, uh, he didn't mm. quote 17 scriptures. Mm. Uh, he just told his story, his subjective yeah. experience right. on the yeah. road to Damascus. He told it three times. I got knocked off yeah. my horse. He had two chances to retell it in a way that was much more uh, footnoted, and he didn't. <laughs> right, and, right. and then Peter, Peter has a, has a, he doesn't have a flock of geese, he has a sheet come out of heaven. I mean, these mm. huge, it, like, yeah. Like the inclusion of the Gentiles yeah. doesn't come through inductive Bible study. It comes mm-hmm. through mystical experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the problem is, though, if we're not experiencing those, we feel like it's our job to tell the story of other people's mystical experiences that we read in the Bible. And <laughs> like a derivative or. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. feels more subjective somehow. Like if it happened to them, then we're supposed to walk around. And it's just our job to be faithful to those stories. But yeah. it's good to remember. They were those pers- those people's experiences, you right, know. Right. Even if we're not experiencing them, yeah. um, we we have to tell them, remembering that this is testimony. And I'm reminded, yes. Revelation says, "We shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb." That's mm-hmm. good, serious stuff. And the word of our testimony. Yeah. I mean, really, it's up there with the blood of the Lamb, you know. Right. So um, yes, the oh thing that this has just totally knocked my feet out from under me because. Um, I wasn't trying to hear from God or have mystical experiences. That wasn't the point. Um, when I first had that experience of of noticing myself as a clay jar and and acknowledging how much I was fighting it and ashamed of it and, and internalizing the world's way of looking at ordinary clay jars, mm-hmm. I realized that um, I needed to do some emptying and... Um, I have this practice now that I do on a regular basis of imagining this clay jar that's ashamed of itself. And so it's just filled it up, filled itself up with chunks of concrete just for the sake of feeling full, but they're not helpful. And they're like all my own efforts, all my desire to fix the people around me, all my need to understand and control and all of these ways that basically I'm trying to be God. Yes. That we all attempted to do on a regular basis to avoid our own limited weakness and human frailty. Mm. And so I regularly kind of visualize myself looking in this clay vessel and pulling out these chunks of concrete one at a time and confessing to the Lord, here's how I'm trying to control this person. That's for you. You take that. Here's how I'm trying to fix this problem. You take that. And emptying is not something that we're usually taught but it's very scriptural not only because god empties himself out but purging and pruning and purifying are all apart from the fact that they all start with p so they'll yeah, preach yeah <laughs> um they are all metaphors of of getting rid of something yes you know yes. purging is throwing up vomit that makes us sick uh, sorry vomiting up poison that makes us sick purifying is burning off dross to mm-hmm. make the gold pure and um Pruning is cutting off things that aren't growing to make more growth. Yes. We don't like that, though. We like c- c- spiritual consumerism of like, fill me, give me, yeah. more, build more, me more, up. More, more. Yeah, and and sometimes, you know, if you've got poison in your system, no amount of um, medicine is going to fix that. You just got to get it out of there. Mm. And um, so what, I've, what I didn't realize I was doing in that painful work of confession and lament and releasing all of that power to God 
was that the spirit, which I believe the scripture actually promises that we already have. We don't have to ask him constantly. I think it's actually bad theology to say, come Holy Spirit, because we've been promised that we are given the spirit of the living God when mm -hmm. we say yes to him. Mm -hmm. But we don't feel that spirit in us because we've got so much other junk in there of our own control. Yeah. So that emptying without without me realizing it, I thought I was just emptying to become this empty clay vessel and found myself this filled now with more of that unfading treasure that we're mm. promised. And I had just I thought I was doing something kind of that would leave me empty and naked and mm. and here found myself with more space for the spirit to fill. And that's where I started, you know, not every day, not always not probably never in the way I wanted to hear from God, but on a much more regular basis, just just knowing what God was doing and having a sense of what I was supposed to do about it. And um, that's where th something started stirring in me that yeah. um, felt very scriptural, and yet it didn't begin entirely from yes. scripture. And um, it's terrifying, but I can't get enough of it. So it feels like it's good beautiful. news to me. And I just want to talk about it with yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's beautiful uh, uh, what God is doing. Uh, it's great news. Um, this is, I mean, I, I'm struck by like our coaching, what we coach people to do begins in this place of saying, we're not going to, we're not going to proclaim, uh, some ideas that you apply to your life. We're actually asking you to pay attention to what God is doing in your life. And the way that we do that is we learn to pay attention to how our bodies feel and mm -hmm. what our emotions are. Mm -hmm. Like in the events of the day, okay, this happened and I felt this way. And we stop there and we say, well, let's pay attention to that because God's mm -hmm. at work there. Because mm -hmm. our bodies are his happy place. That <laughs> Dude, that's, <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah. That is fantastic. You should put that in your book. I don't wear witness oh, wear, but gone. if I did, I'd have a t-shirt that God's, says, our God's happy place. My body, my body's God's happy place. <laughs> I love that. There needs to be a tattoo. Yeah. My body Anything? is God's wonderland. Is that <laughs> That's John Mayer song. Okay, yeah, I was, I was thinking <laughs> that's that. Good. Yeah. Mandy, and, this is awesome. This is so good. This this is good. Uh, our, our interviews aren't normally this long, um, but oh, this is I'm, this is wonderful and beautiful. No, 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 no. It's uh, this you weren't is fishing awesome. for an apology. You no, were, I was not. Uh, you were I was not saying exclaiming that. how great was, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying like, well, this is great. We're just going to keep we're going to keep talking. Uh, and I do, even though we've gone longer than we normally do. I still want to ask you one more question. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we'll finish with this. Uh, we had uh, an interview with Tara Beth Leach um, mm. uh, a little while back. As of this recording, it was just a few days ago. And uh, a big part of what she talked about with us was was meeting you. Mm. Um, and that she was uh, in this place, uh, she was at this conference where you were the MC, mm. and that um, it, was a, it was a gift to her to see you lead as yourself and and to be the MC and you were more than an MC she said you were a shepherd you were a pastor you were leading a group of a thousand people um, in uh, you know contemplating the mysteries of God of, of sort of being with God not just learning facts for our brains but being with God mm -hmm. at this place mm -hmm. so anyway it was a huge gift for her um, it, it you were an icon for her of like how a woman can lead as a woman Mm -hmm. um, and it was, a, it was a huge gift. But um, in your talking about vulnerability, I wonder if you could let us into how it felt mm -hmm. to lead mm -hmm. that gathering. You were yeah. an incredible gift to another woman that we know. Like, but what did it feel like to lead mm -hmm. the gathering uh, that, that, you know, 
that was such a blessing to Tara Beth. Yeah, it it was a huge blessing for me that she found me after that and told me that because I was still exploring it myself. And I hadn't really connected it until now to that story I told earlier about when I went to a conference and I didn't find anybody like myself on stage. And yeah. um, I'm sensing God's delight somehow in me that I took the courage to be that be something different for somebody else, you know, but it was really scary. And um, the conference that I was at is leans towards the academic end, although they're very welcoming of practitioners. And um, I was just stepping into these ways of praying and pastoring in my own context. And it felt a little new still to me there. It feels very much like for a woman to lead in that way, um, you know, and by that way, I just mean like a warm pastoral um, creative, emotional kind of way, which also I read a lot, you know, I think too, you know, so it's <laughs> right, not right. either or, right. but um, to bring that part of myself in addition to the part of myself, which has been nicely honed at Bible college, um, mm. has felt really risky. And to really like let myself be seen when I'm really longing or when I'm really praying to the Lord and to do that in a public place, um, it's, it's hard for any human being to do that. But given the false dichotomies that women hear, and the like, the fear that like, well, men won't want to follow me if they see me being too much of a woman. Mm. All of that was wrapped up in that too. Like, how oh, can sh- how can people take me seriously if they see me as this artsy, girly, airy fairy, emotionals kind of person? You know. So I was like, well, this is one of the ways. Actually, I think in leading that conference, that I tested. Like, okay, this is who God's made me to be. I believe He's calling me to be a leader, and so can He really? use me even as this emotional artist that woman that he's made and so that was a test for me i was like i don't know i'm just gonna go there (laughs) (laughs) it was serious i think we underestimate the kinds of death that jesus had to die this is a death too you know dying to your self-preservation in a social setting knowing it's going to bring conflict and misunderstanding jesus had to die in those ways and the gospel isn't meaningful unless we realize that those are deaths as well so, uh, yeah, it was hard, but um, it was such a blessing to have this beautiful, warm woman come to me and say, <laughs> I see what you're doing, mm. and it means something to me. Wow. And our friendship began from there. And she's now leading this huge church, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, is just flourishing and, and finding her own permission to be pastoral as a woman. Yes. And um, that bless that story blesses me so deeply. Our friendship has has yes. really been such a blessing for me to have somebody, um, even in even amongst the voices that don't get me or the people who I see like roll their eyes or whatever, mm-hmm. to have somebody say, "I get it." Like keep yeah. being the person God has made you to be. So, yes. and I don't think it's just for women. You know, I think no. all of us can take that risk to be just truly human, yes, publicly, <laughs> yeah, and trust that God can yes. show Himself through that. Yes. Well, that it's a be- it's beautiful. Um, you know, I hear you saying that you you chose not to try to perform some role that you thought would be accepted. Instead, you this was one of your little tests with God, yeah. <laughs> where you said, "All right, I'm going to try to be myself and lead uh, in this way," and um, it bore fruit. Uh, not just in Tara Beth's life, but um, I was at that conference as well, and uh, I was. Uh, deeply ministered to by your leadership. Mm. Um, I can't remember how many years ago that was. It's like three, 2015, three years, I think. Four, 2015, three. yeah. That was a big mm-hmm. year for Back you. When, I mean, it, <laughs> it was a big year. Published the, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but uh, but I, yeah, 
it, you go ahead. Yeah, I yeah. just I, uh, I just thought of uh, Paul in Corinth, right? Um, he walks into Corinth, like you walking into this huge conference with all these academics. Mm-hmm. And rather than right. you becoming uh, the academic's academic, right? You uh, in your in a very embodied, discreet, granular way, what I hear you saying, Mandy, is that you just decided to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, mm-hmm. and um, and the power of God was on display. And and here's the beauty, I, man, when we give ourselves over to these discreet deaths, that maybe no one else knows is happening, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You weren't broadcasting this or live tweeting how you were dying to yourself. Uh, you know, as we give ourselves over to these discreet deaths, uh, it is bread for people. Like resurrection yes. Yes. comes up out of yes. it, not only yeah. in ourselves, but in ways we can't control, anticipate, predict, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And in yeah. Terabeth, Der- Terabeth, uh, you know, gives witness, bears witness to this. But how many other people there, like including Ben and I, mm-hmm. how many other people mm-hmm. there were 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 fed by that? Had yes. resurrection life? Well, praise God if that's the case. Oh, I'm sure there's that's many. where the testimony yeah. comes. I'll just say this one thing. It helps me understand because following really does bring serious suffering sometimes. Yeah. And the path of obedience is, you know, to, to draw closer to what God is calling us to really does make us go against things that we would rather do. Um, we have mm. to go places we'd rather not go and give away things we'd rather keep and say things we don't want to say. And that I think the enemy can use that to say, huh. What kind of God is he? You were following him and look where he led you and now he's abandoned you to this place of suffering. Yeah. Um, but it helps me understand in new ways what Paul says in Second Corinthians about we carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. And the thought that what feels like death looks like life, that makes, that makes it worth it. And the people that mm. I know who most remind me of Jesus are the people who I know are also emptying and dying to themselves on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it makes it worthwhile. <sighs> Second Corinthians, the Australian uh, Australians say Second Corinthians. In America, we say Two Corinthians <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, Mandy, this has been uh, uh, great. I think we could do like a like a seminary class based on this podcast. Amen. Seriously, there's been so many things. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience, your story, your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's been bread for me. Um, mm. just, just being able to talk with you, and I'm sure uh, our listeners will feel the same way. Yep. Well, that's good. It's Beautiful. fun for me to talk about. I, I yeah. can't get enough of it. So that's, that, it, Yeah. We'll have to have you back on the podcast uh, sometime soon. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. Okay. would be great. Well, thanks, thanks uh, for being with us. Peace. Yep. Yeah. Peace, y'all. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question, suggest a topic for future episodes. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful throughout the week. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.